When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. And I'm Esther Ikoro, And we're the hosts of the Honest Field Guide podcast. Entrepreneurship is no joke. The journey is full of anticipation, failure, hope, and disappointment. You'll make money and be totally broke at the same time. The Honest Field Guide podcast tells you the truth. We know being an entrepreneur is crazy hard and you will sometimes cry at dinner. Listen in to be inspired, laugh, and learn how to really thrive on your business journey. Simone Friend, co-founder of one of the country's premier artist representative agencies, Friend & Johnson, started her career in fashion merchandising in the early 80s where she met the person that introduced her to the advertising world and what it means to be an artist agent. For over 30 years, she has been an artist agent with her friend and business partner, Beth Johnson, representing the world's leading and most celebrated commercial photographers, illustrators, animation, and live action creators. Simone mentors up-and-coming artists and has made this a priority as she has matured in the business. She feels that they need a head start in the creative industry so they are prepared to handle the legal aspects of a professional career. Friend and Johnson have offices in New York, San Francisco, and Chicago. Welcome, Simone Friend. Ooh, I sound Welcome. so glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> you are glamorous. You have a tremendous long history as an artist representative, and I met you ages ago, and we will not date ourselves. No, we will not. We will not date ourselves, but the reason why you are here is because I have always enjoyed working with you. You have such dignity and grace, very helpful, kind, and willing to negotiate on behalf of your artists. Always. Um, and I feel like you stand alone, um, you and your partner, Beth, have been in this business for quite a while and I'd love to first sort of understand from the very beginning how did this happen how did you start this company what what magical process took place because there weren't very many women if any having a business at all when you started I had a background in fashion merchandising I was a fit model for Jarell of Texas which is this middle America you know, line of ladies' dresses. And um, I used to moonlight at a boutique because I wasn't making a lot of money. And I used to have this beautiful blonde that came in, Lisa Cobb, my first business partner. And I would always dress her. And she thought I could sell anything. And she approached me after working with me for like six months of, you know, wardrobing her and asked me if I'd ever be up for being an artist agent. I had no idea what that meant. Never in my wildest dreams would I have thought in the early 80s that I would be an artist agent. So she had me go to a lab called Total Color, since I had absolutely zero background in any kind of photography or illustration. I learned the business for about six months, and then we just started our business. We just went forward without any thought process of failure. It wasn't something that you would go to school and say, I want to be an artist agent when I grow up. It was a kind of a, a niche career, I think. But it was perfect because once I started doing this, I realized I had actually found my calling. You know, we don't always know what we're supposed to be when we grow up. And I had absolutely no idea. I didn't go to college. You know, my mother was divorced, so I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. It was all perfect timing. It was the beginning of the 80s where it just artists were needing help and Lisa started it and she took me on board. What kinds of artists were you repping back then? That's when we just had taken on Jeff Kern who has been around for a long time and we had a couple of um, photographers and we had a few illustrators but back then you actually had to take the artwork and hand deliver it to the agency. You know you did your estimates on a typewriter we had like a little 
like a restaurant pokey thing that we would put our confirmed jobs on. Kind of felt like you were working in a fast food restaurant as opposed to a, an office. I had always loved illustration, and Lisa has always been more photography and illustration. So it was a perfect match for us. And we just would call on advertising agencies, and I think it was something that was successful because it wasn't being done by everyone. So we were able to have artists who could be promoted and be seen where they might not have if they didn't have an agent. Artist representative. I mean, when she brought this to you, did you say to her, what is that? Because I I feel like when I was working in corporate, I think I kind of knew what an artist representative was at that time. I knew that, that there was a way to get to an artist it wasn't like it is today. You actually typically had to go through an artist, agent, or rep to find talent. And it was an intimate, personalized experience. But did you know what it was? And did she know what it was? Was she already doing it? You know, Lisa is a brilliant woman. She went to Brown University. She had a business degree. She started this business on her own, and she felt that this was an area that was missing, that there was a need for it. And she started doing this on her own, and she got really busy. And that's when the two of us connected, and she said, I think that this would be perfect for you. And it really all just kind of fell into place. It was just timing. The market wasn't inundated. Our first office was actually in Dallas with Robert A. Wilson, whose boys were our Luke and Owen Wilson, the movie oh stars. Oh, my gosh, what? So we would, be, <laughs> we would be in this great warehouse, you know, where your high heels would stick in the floor, and Luke and Owen would just come running, you know, around us. And we were in such a great time period because the early 80s, Texas was really known for their designers. I mean, they were amazing designers really? that came out of that. It was a huge graphic design industry. There. I had so, no idea who was coming out of So Dallas. Woody Pirtle was a, a big one. Woody Pirtle, who oh, is, was one of the partners no for Pentagram. Idea. Yeah. There's... Um, well, wait, was Pentagram established in, in Dallas, Texas? No. It, I think it was established in New York They're with Michael York. Beirut okay. and gotcha. those gentlemen. But, um, but, then, but okay. Woody definitely okay. started on that. There was Rex Petit, Don Sibley. There was uh, DJ Stout, who used to be one of the head guys at Texas Monthly. He's wow. also part of Pentagram now. I mean, it was a, a well, huge... Well, this is going way back. Right. But I also think because of that design introduction, I think that, that that's where our eye went because that's what we were learning. Right. So things for us were a little bit more graphic, a little bit more conceptual, um, a little bit more provoking. We weren't looking for people that could shoot things with, a, you know, holding a a vitamin glass of vitamin C or we were actually looking for the opposite and I think that also being in Texas with that design world there was a lot of illustration you know where those wonderful posters and all those things that were coming up and so for us it was just a perfect balance to have photography and illustration at that time and I feel like because of being associated with some of those graphic designers, we were also open to meeting some of the artists that they were working with. Right. And because of that, it became kind of word of mouth, and that was where we might have gotten some other artists from them. It just, it really kind of took off. Can you talk about what an artist representative is and what an artist representative does? I don't know that people quite understand what well, that role is. We're kind of like a mother. We are the ones that are here to protect them. You know, we kind of negotiate the job. My job, actually, is that I go over when we find an artist. I go over, Beth and I do this together. We put a portfolio together of what we feel is going to be appropriate. And then I go out and I try to target that audience for that particular artist. So if I have someone that's shooting fashion, I'm certainly not going to go see someone who just works on diapers and, you know, food products. So we really try to target those audiences and then I show the work it's almost like being a matchmaker you try to find the right artist for the right job I mean that's really what we're doing if we're doing our job correctly and then we have to try to help them market themselves um, promotion um, all of these things are kind of important and then when you do get the job our job is to negotiate of course to try to get as much money as we can to protect them with usage to try not to give their rights away Mm -hmm. and to uh, make sure that things get collected. Um, We do all of their billing, and then we try to help them move forward because a lot of times 
um, an artist will become stagnant. You know, they won't want to test or they won't want to move further than they're already going because they feel like if I'm not doing the work I should be doing, then why do I need to draw for it or why do I need to be shooting for it? But you have to, you know, and that as a as an agent, that's what our jobs are is to not only manage their careers now, but to help them continue to move forward. Because if you stay stagnant, the work stays stagnant. And you can only be in that world for so long. And as we all know, this is a very cyclical business. Yeah. You know, you have to keep moving forward. And so I do think a lot of artists struggle and may end up leaving the business because I think they become frustrated. What is the work? The work is their work, the artist's work. And then what types of clients or customers or industries are you working in? And this could just be Friend and Johnson or it could be just in general for an artist representative because when you talk about representing an artist, representing an artist for what end? Well, I think that when we take on an artist, we really kind of sit down and talk to them about what are your goals? You know, what is your dream client? You know, what what do you see yourself doing in five years from now? You know, what is it about you that you want us to grow? Because our job is, again, it's to try to get them what they want. And so when we're shepherding an artist with their portfolios, for us, it's really not about what they've done. It's about what they want to do. So we try to put books together that kind of show the work so that they can go after that job. I mean, I'm sure that's the case of most things. You know, you you want to be able to show what you can do almost pre-concept so that you can get those jobs. Like when I go to Target, I really try to show the illustrators because they do so much great packaging, you know, or, or Pentagram or wherever you're going. You know, I try to target places that would really be a little more illustration heavy. Do artists come to you fully formed or are there um, points at which you might help drive an artist's evolution? Most of the times they don't come fully formed. Every once in a while we'll get lucky. But in the beginning we were all kind of learning together, you know, and um, a lot of artists are really clueless as to how important this step is. That it's not just about showing a book. It's just so much more than that. You know, I am a reflection of them as well as they are a reflection of me. And so they have to know that I'm always going to have their back and I'm going to try to put my best foot forward for them. So there is that process where we have to kind of form them together and form them into what they want to be doing. What is the criteria for artists to work for you? Do you have a set criteria? Is there Are there standards in place? How do you find these people? That's a good question. You know, I think for us, because we put so much effort into this, sometimes it takes a year before an artist will get off the ground. So I think at this point in our career, we'd rather have somebody a little more seasoned. Sometimes it doesn't always work that way. I um, One of the artists that I rep, um, Ann Field, she's actually the curator of the, um, the art department at Art Center. So she curates all the illustrators that are coming in. And I called her a few years ago and said, we're looking for an up-and-coming artist. And she turned us on to Patrick Ruby, who had literally just graduated. I flew down to Pasadena, and he was unbelievable. He's amazing. I mean, his style now, this was five years ago, his style now is what everybody is doing. And that's important when you're looking for an artist. You know, you want to be ahead of the curve. You don't want to find someone that's trying to chase it. And so to find that sometimes can be really difficult. So you almost have to separate yourself from what you're seeing and try to have a little bit of foresight of what is intriguing to you? What is setting them apart from the people that you currently represent or that you're currently seeing? And are they willing to put some money into promotion? Are they willing to advertise? A lot of times that's really hard for these up-and-coming artists because, you know, they don't have any money. What impact does technology have on your business, if any? Because when I think about my exposure to art outside of being here at Burke Creative, a huge chunk of my exposure to art has been through the internet. 
you know, Instagram specifically has allowed me to see other people's processes, art, finished products, and start thinking about supply chains of companies like Target. Does that impact your agency at all, or is it kind of that word of mouth you ask someone, they turn you on to an up-and-coming artist? You know, it used to be that way, but now things have changed so much, and I think it's just part of evolving. But um, the Internet has been good and bad. Um, It's, of course, representatives and photographers and illustrators have quadrupled, you know, in number. With that being said, I'm also able to find more artists because they're accessible, whereas before I wouldn't. We have actually had to evolve to include artists who can do motion and who can do um, gifts and those kinds of things because that's really where the advertising world is going now. I mean, unfortunately, print is not the hero anymore, unfortunately for me, because I love print. But it's okay because we just have to keep moving and working with what is kind of being thrown our way. And the problem with the whole social and Instagram is that I think that a client almost devalues that usage. So when we are pricing this social ask now, people come to us and say, oh, well, it's only social. Well, no, it's going to be living in perpetuity, and it's all over the world. And so that is a huge, you know, it's a huge ask. And we're, as a rep, and I'm hoping that everyone else, artist out there, are also protecting themselves. Because the more we give things away, it makes it harder for us to go back and ask for money. The graphic design industry suffered the same fate in some ways because when Apple uh, democratized their laptop, everybody became a designer, a graphic designer, and so then graphic designers proliferated. And some graphic designers, frankly, shouldn't have been graphic designers, but because they had the tools, they could do it. Right. And so then that definitely took down the value of the profession, especially for people that went to school for it. On the other hand, it did bring up people that never would have dreamed they could be a graphic designer, and they are extraordinary creatives. You know, and so I think that the internet has made it so you can discover people in the most unlikely places, and people have been able to discover themselves and create and become something that they never dreamed they could because of the accessibility of these things. On the other hand, I think because of the lack of, you know, network or knowledge or relationship building that you're describing from the 80s, there are artists that not only are giving their work away for free, but they're being appropriated. They're right. actually, their work is being taken and used without their permission or maybe with their permission, but without the artist understanding, as you said earlier, the implications and the multiple uses of that work. How do you feel your role as an artist representative can help an artist that may not be represented by you? Because you can't represent everybody. I mean, you're, you're too big now. You're handling very, very high-level artists that are already realized, as you said earlier. But, you know, how can people learn from you so that we don't go down this path of being things being stolen from us? This is one of the things that is really important to me, and I think also for my partner, Beth, is mentoring. This is something that is so important because it's setting a standard. But one of the things that we have found, and again, it's just through trial and error, is an example is now with all the, the way things are being used for digital banners or Instagram, whatever, on the website, artwork becomes vector, okay? And vector is layered files. So I have, and my partner, we have actually actually had to write in our contracts, you cannot separate this illustration. You cannot take these files and rearrange them. You can't recolor them. We had no idea that they wanted to do this. I mean, honestly, you just, because it's just a different medium, it's a different format. And so we know now as representatives to ask up front, are you going to be reworking images to fit the crops because of all the different uh, destinations that they'll be in? So these are all things that I don't think a young artist would realize unless maybe they do this quite a bit and they'd understand how it works, but they don't understand you don't have to do that. You don't have to give them the right 
to let them separate your illustrations. I just did something for an agency here with an illustrator that I represent in London who actually his background is in textile design. So he's amazing with patterns and he was one of the first people we represented that actually just worked on the computer. Now you've, most everyone just works on the computer and they don't work by hand. But this was a ginormous, a huge, huge company and we had to put in our contract, I mean, every single ask, like, no, you cannot change the pattern in the background. No, you cannot change the color of the man in the image. It's, it's, it really is being protective of your work because it is still your work. The other thing, too, that we have also learned is that with these animation pieces that we're doing now and the GIFs, motion is really unlimited use it, it's it's really where it's you seem to lose your copyright so this was something new to beth and i because we weren't as schooled in this motion world and we're learning now that you know what we still put it in our contracts we still tr try to put in at least a time limit is it five years ten years something because you don't have to give your work away for unlimited use and time and i think it's just really asking the question instead of assuming that the client gets these rights. You know, we've tried to say, really, do they really want to use this for the rest of their lives, the, for the whole, you know, is it going to be fresh for them in 20 years? Yeah, or it depends can, on what it is. Exactly. Is yes. Right. But yeah. I think it's just a natural ask now from attorneys who are doing everyone's contracts that just say, well, just ask for all rights, ask for work for hire. You know, these are all things that you don't have to sign away. I love listening to you talk about this because I come from a corporate background where this conversation took place at the very beginning. So I learned a lot from coming from Anderson, for example, because I had to negotiate a lot of rights for the work that we were using for the company. And it really was because the company needed to be protected. Right. You know, it wasn't the artist. It was really like if we use this work and we haven't gotten proper permissions for it, they have a right to sue us for it. And so when I opened my own company, I always was working on behalf of the artist because I know what large companies need, but I also know what the artist needs. So I've always been aware of additional uses of artwork. I also understand the implications of requesting unlimited rights for an unlimited amount of time in whatever medium it needs to appear and being very clear about that up front with an artist saying, look, you know, this is what we're going to do this is what it's about, this is who the client is, and oh, by the way, this is not Coca-Cola, for example, this is actually a nonprofit client that you know has a certain amount of a budget or they don't have a budget at all, and there's never gonna be a use of merchandise, they're never gonna use this to sell on a t-shirt because then that changes the conversation. So I really think that a lot of artists, especially if they're not represented, don't understand that. And it's unfortunate because there's so much money to be made for this artist and how are they gonna live if they can't have someone protecting them? But on the other hand, I wanna understand if I'm an artist coming out today and I have Instagram, which is a powerful, powerful advertising tool for my business and my art, why would I want to have you represent me if I can go out and make my own money? And even if I do make a mistake and fail, what is the benefit of me saying I want Simone Friend from Friend and Johnson to represent my brand? It's really dependent on the talent. There are some pretty amazing artists who can sell themselves. Some of them should never come out from behind the camera. They just, you know, they're a little bit shy and that's just not their personality. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Actually, I would prefer before we take someone on that they have represented themselves for a while because I think that once you have that under your belt there is an appreciation of what a rep can be and what they can do there's no way to explain that until you've gone through all these issues and then and gotten burned and gotten burned or you know there are some wonderful artists out there truly that are doing great on their own I don't know that everybody needs a rep I don't I just think it depends on where that person is in their career, where they want to go, 
you know, if they're trying to push themselves to be more national, international, all those kinds of things. Because the benefit, I think, of an agent is, like with our group, is that we're not just based in Chicago. You know, we've started out in Texas and then branched into Chicago and then New York and San Francisco and work internationally as well. So I think it's just dependent on how far an artist wants to take their career. This could be a scummy business. I mean, advertising is not fun games. I mean, you see the result and it's all beautiful, but the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is some serious skullduggery going on. You've seen a lot. You've been out here for a long time. Can you just share what's one of the worst? Do I look a little haggard? (laughs) You know? No, (laughs) No, you don't, but like, what's the... Well, I had What's one. some of the worst stuff that's happened? I had one job. I won't mention the name because, anyway, <laughs> the creative. And, again, it's just lack of education. And it was a very young creative, and they actually got um, scrap from the Internet, which scrap? means scrap to use as a um, for their storyboard. Okay. They put it in their storyboard, and it was from someone else's photo shoot, and they used it. Um, for their ad to show the client this is what we're going to shoot so this means that my photographer looked this is exactly what they wanted they wanted this specific image which unbeknownst to us did not come from this creative's mind but from scrap that he pulled from the internet like I said which was an actual job well once we shot the ad and it was out this person who did the original job called oh god and um you know wanted to sue this big agency so that is things that that we have no control over because it's education again it's just not realizing no you cannot do that that's a no-no you can't use someone else's photos as a concept and then ask someone to copy that and that is another another big nightmare i know with jeff kern in the earlier days we had so many people, and this is before we realized, crap, we need to copyright our work. You know, when it's in a portfolio, it's different. But now that it's all over the world, you know, you think about people's work. They're on their websites. They're on Pinterest. They need to be somehow protected and copyrighted. Because how do you know that someone isn't copying that exact image? I mean, this is like such a gray area. So that was another thing that we really tried to help our artists with is to make sure you have to make sure your images are copyrighted and they're protected. So when you're working with artists, um, do they ever come come up to you and say, I want you to get me a job with Coca-Cola? Absolutely. And how does that work with you? I mean, what do you do there? Well, we want to hear that. I mean, that's the only way we know. We're not mind readers. I mean, I'd like to think I am, but, you know, I think that Beth and I have been doing this for so long that we really can look at a book and realize if that client the, or that artist is appropriate for Coca-Cola. But how do I, 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 that's not my job to know that. My job is to present the best portfolio of that artist that I can and to go to Coca-Cola and see what kind of reaction I get. Mm-hmm. And then my job is to go back to that artist and say, you know what, they loved your work, but we might want to consider a few more of these images. Cause let's say it's a still life photographer. You know, they, they need to see more liquids or they need to see more pours or more condensation on a bottle or it's my job to give them feedback. So when you have an artist that you do have to turn down though, how do you deliver that information? You know, I get, and I'm just, I'm sure like every creative does, I, I get at least 10 to 15 emails a day of artists looking for representation. And I actually open every single one of my emails. You open all of your emails. I look at them because I feel the same. I'm doing the same thing. And anytime I get a response, you have no idea how much that makes me feel. Well, you just feel respected. I don't know how to say that. When you send out emails and you're, you're, this is what you're trying to do for a living, you're actually trying to help these creatives, right? That's the point of what I do for a living. I'm not a bad thing. I'm a good thing. Right. I mean, I'm here to inspire you. I'm here to show you art that will make you happy. You're in front of that damn computer all the time. Get off the computer, touch the paper, look at the book. I mean, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So when these artists reach out to me, 
I, the only thing I feel is to give them the respect back and to look at their work. And nine times out of 10, I'm, you know, it's just not the right fit. The artists that you work with, do you consider them entrepreneurs? And when you think about it in that context, do you mentor them and help them? And I want to understand how that worked out with Jeff Kern, who's one of my favorite artists of all time. Jeff Kern is a very special soul. He's an old soul. He is one of these people and will always be timeless. I mean, you look at the work he did in the 90s, and it looks like what people are doing now. I mean, so I think it's a testament to how talented he is. You know, I think he is leaning more towards uh, gallery, and I think that a lot of these artists find that there is a release in being in that fine art world as well, because you get a little beaten up with your brain when you're in advertising. You know, you don't always get to to do what's in your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question, but... Yeah, I feel that artists are entrepreneurs and they don't recognize that they are, which is probably why some of them do have trouble with what you're describing. Um, they would rather just make art and not have to deal with the business side. I right. Consider in today's environment, it's really difficult for an artist to be successful without understanding that they're actually in a business and that they are an entrepreneur, unless they're working for a company as an internal designer or an internal artist. I I don't even understand how an artist could not have some kind of a business sense. And if they don't have a business sense, for God's sakes, they need to have a representation. You're exactly right. They do need to think of themselves as a business. So how do you do that? You have to market yourself. You have to spend money on promotion. You have to continue to evolve. You have to continue testing. You have to continue pushing yourself. It's just like what you were doing. You know, you just, whatever we're doing, we're always trying to strive to be better at what we do. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what an artist has to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes an artist will have the mentality that, They have a rep now. They can step back and not do anything. No, that is the wrong answer. And when that happens, that relationship is going to fail between the artist and between the rep. And it is hard because artists, not all of them do have a business sensibility. You know, they really don't. They're very personal and close to their work. So it's, it's hard for them sometimes to be critiqued and to push themselves forward and um, it's a very personal place and so as a rep you have to be very sensitive to to that I can be a little bit mean my partner Beth is much nicer than me (laughs) have you ever had an artist that you've brought on that you've had to let go to say you know what this is actually not working out whether it's because of a business piece or a creative piece or they failed something or they messed up a job with a client or whatever have you ever had that happened? I have, and it's gone both ways. Really? I mean, it's it's really, it's it's like a marriage. You know, you, it, it's a business relationship, and it's a business on trust. And I think we have a really great reputation. So I don't think, you know, if you're represented by us, I mean, we're not going to take your money and hide under the table with it. But sometimes it's just a personality thing. And uh, Beth and I are really, we always try, anybody that's worked with us, we've always really let them be who they are because that's how we learned the business. You know, we learned as we went. And so we always encourage anybody that works with us to just, whatever your strength is, let it shine. We're not going to try to micromanage you. And some artists really want to be micromanaged. Really? What does that mean? They want to be well. I think they just want to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted, and that everything is just very tight. And it's it's hard when you represent a large group of people because I can't give one hundred percent attention to you all the time. I have to be able to, you know, move things around a little bit. And so sometimes um, I can't talk to someone every day. It's just a personality thing. It's not a bad thing. I mean, we've we found that it always works out for the best. I tend to take things very personal when someone wants to leave us because I feel like I've given my heart and my soul. But sometimes it's just, it's time. A lot of artists, after five or six years, it's kind of that bell goes off that says, I've been with you for a while. I think it's time for me to try something else and I sometimes they will come back 
Sometimes they don't, but I always feel like whatever happens, it's a good experience. And everybody that we have parted ways with, I am still very close to. Mm-hmm. How I many have, artists do you represent? So we probably have about 20. And then we have the animation group and we have the um, Sky Pie who does uh, stop motion and live action. So how do you get along with Beth? I mean, it sounds like you have this, you, you have a long standing relationship and a lot of people that start up a company, they have success and some people don't and they split up with their partners. You have a strong partnership. What are some of the secrets that you've developed over time to keep this working? And she's not even in Chicago. No, but this is how she calls me in the morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> I just, that's how can you mother. not love someone that that's does that? Saying. My mom used to wake up in the morning and sing and sing that kind of song to me, and I sing it to my children, and I actually jokingly sang it to Esther when she was half asleep on the cab ride back from um, British Columbia, and she's like, don't ever sing that song to me again. I'm a morning person. She's a morning person, but it wasn't morning when I was singing it. So go ahead. No, she is. um, What? She's one of five children. She's just the most humble, sweetest, most genuine person I've ever met. And she's kind. Like, she's just kind in her heart. She has no agenda. And every time, because I am much grumpier than she is. And so when she hears me being grumpy, she'll she just knows how to like get off the phone nicely or just you know kind of move away from me and um but we're both a little ADD, so we get along really well, you know, it's not we're in the same headspace and I think our goals are the same. But you're in a long our distance morals are the same. But you're in a long distance relationship. We've always been, you know, we started in uh, in Texas, in Dallas, in an office together. And when you meet Beth, you can't help but not love her. She just, she's my best friend. She's my dearest. She's like a sister I never had. Simone, so three women in the 80s launching a business. What was it like being three women doing this work? Did you know, I don't think anyone thought of that we were entrepreneurs. I think we just thought we were three women with a mission who were not going to fail. And that's what we did. We just did what we needed to do. We all played well together. We had a great thing going. We were in it at the right time. It was when agencies were really doing some amazing work. And we got to participate in a lot of that. So I, I think the fact that we were three women, I think that actually helped us because creatives enjoyed seeing us, especially, um, you know, we were easy. We weren't your typical business person. We were fun and enjoyed what we did. That was long ago. That was long ago. That was long ago. That was long ago. When did you first hire your first woman to represent? I'm going to assume it was probably Ann Field. Yeah, Ann Field is I amazing. I think that's who it was because, yeah, she is, she's such an icon. And I think that Beth and I had been following her work for a long time. And her husband um, was Clive Piercy, who was also an incredible designer in Los Angeles. And um, we were so fortunate to have Ann. I, I mean, it just was a blessing to get her. I feel like when you first brought Anne on board. I remember seeing her work and loving it. And I thought, wow, look at her work. It just had a joy to vive to it. It was flowing. And how have your artists evolved in terms of their, um, not only their skill, but in terms of their work over time? Because her work has changed. And were you part of that evolution at all? I mean, did you help them evolve or did they just, you just kind of rolled with them? Like I had said earlier, I think it's a partnership. So um, with Anne, she is so prolific. You know, she does these beautiful watercolors, and then she does these really interesting collages. So I think for Anne, it was just kind of finding what her passion was and putting a portfolio together that really reflected her voice. And that was the way we tried to show all the artists so that they could really showcase what they wanted to be doing. It didn't have to just be one medium that you were working in, you know, and I think because Anne was and still is so 
talented at so many different things. Um, she was a very easy sell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have other businesses besides this one? You know, when we started in the 80s, um, when we were in Dallas, and it was the three of us, we did have another company that represented hairstylist, food stylist, makeup artist, producers. And then we had, they were a separate company. And the person that we had hired to run that company actually stole that company from us in the 80s and opened the door down the street. So that was kind of a mess. And then... um, How does somebody steal a company from you? I don't understand. Well, they kind of took all of the people that we represented and basically separated from us and opened a, you know, opened a store down the street there, which we we did take them to court. Um, did you win? We did win. But after that, I think we realized that it just wasn't worth it. You know, I think you can only control who you are. You hope that people are honest and forthright, but it's not always the case. What's after Simone Friend? I mean, what is the next step for this company? I think that Beth and I ask each other that every day. Do you really? Have you always done that or just recently? Because it's been 20 years, right? Well, it's been like 30. Has it been 30 years? Yes. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, again, I was 10. But I think with (laughs) Beth and I, (laughs) you know, I think for us, I've always always wanted to – use our artists and have develop our own packaging products, you know, having our own brand of products that that you could purchase, having an online gallery. I know a lot of people are doing that, but that's always been something I've wanted to do, a pop-up gallery with just our artists. I think that it is a different world now. Photography, unfortunately, is not as respected, I think, in advertising. I think there's so many people that can do it. So you have to kind of find out where are people hiring work you know where are they applying uh, the artist and for us it seems that the majority of the work we've been doing has been actually through illustration yeah. and animation and motion and I and I think again it's just as we spoke it's because of the application of the work these days being online Instagram all of that presence so how long is it going to take you to move a little bit more heavily in that space? Or do you feel like you're already moving there now? I feel like we're moving there now. I think that we feel that there are probably some additions we can add to the group, which would probably be another possible animation team, um, a few more artists for motion. But again, it's trying to keep it within our standards of keeping the group not small, a little more boutique. Would you ever consider representing the people that produce the animation versus the artists that make the art for it? Well, because there's there's a there's a huge amount of people that actually make that art and I value the creative itself, but I also value the people that know how to make multiple formats and multiple versions and multiple differences of things and understand you know, how you have to prepare the files for the animation. I mean, I right. feel like that those people need help. They should be making more money than they're making. You know, I think the animation group we have now down the street, they do all of their own animation. They do everything from the beginning to the end. And there's three of them. And so their styles are a little bit varied. So that makes it a little more um Interesting, but I do agree. We have been looking at possible production groups, um, another animation house. But your animation group, are, are those the actual artists as well? Absolutely. Okay, so so what I'm saying, though, is I have a lot of artists that I actually work with that make artwork. I do ask them to layer files because then I kick those files out to someone else to actually animate right. depending on right. the result. You could have all of your illustration artists, if they do work in that way, layer all their files. Of course, we talked about that earlier, and then have another group that comes in that manages the implementation of those animations, which is a different type of an artist. Right. I'm not talking about people that you have already. I'm saying another group of people that's separate, and it becomes more production because it is a major, major part of the work that my agency does now is animation. But yep. I don't ever put those two together. The person who makes my art is not the person who does the animation. Generally, that's a different type of a skill set. Right. I think that that is a great idea. I think we're trying to find all avenues of 
ways to be successful and ways that these artists can be successful. And animation is definitely the key right now. It really is. Right. There's so many great groups out there. Mm-hmm. So it's just trying to find the right group. This animation team that we rep right now, all of our illustrators can be animated because of them. So we kind of sell that under one umbrella instead of just the illustration style that this one animation group has. We try to let them know because all of the artists can. Right, right. You know, really, it's just like you just said, it's just having someone implement the the files. So do you feel like with your company, you've got another 30 years in on this? Or, you know, I think to myself with my own company, I have some children. Would they love to have this company? I don't know. I mean, what types of plans do you have? Because, you know, you're a lifer with your work. I and am a you've, lifer. you've made a decision. I mean, and I don't really know what you are. It's and I and I've loved following you all this time over the over over the years with all these beautiful artists. I've I've always looked at your company as opposed to other representatives and said these to me are the best artists out Thank there you. represented by, you know, a wonderful entrepreneur business owner um Simone. But Nothing lasts forever, right? And this business is getting a lot harder and it's becoming more commoditized, which you spend a lot of time talking about. What would they do? Where would they go? I mean, these these people rely on you and they depend on you. And have you considered that as a small business owner, what to do next? You know, I am in such a great place because I have a partner. And so I've never, ever been alone. And we're both in the same boat as far as age. But we really love what we do. I mean, you know, I I feel that where we started, it was so much more of a personal connection um, when you would see people. And for me, and maybe it is because I am older, I strive to continue that personal connection. And for me not to be able to do that, I think I would be lost. I mean, I'd much rather... Instead of, you know, doing an estimate, I'd much rather be face-to-face with someone and showing work because it's the best thing in the world to be doing. I mean, how easy is my job to show these beautiful books that each artist takes the time to work on to kind of show how individual they are and then to get the response? I mean, what else would I do? (laughs) Right. I feel like, I mean, Esther, when you first um, were presented with an artist portfolio, that was your first time, right? Actually having an artist rep Mm -hmm. come to the office and show you the work that they're representing. How did you feel about that experience compared to, you know, you looking at um, scrolling endlessly on Instagram, looking at art? I think the uh, actual presentation was a huge difference because the art was in context which is not something that I had experienced before. The art being in a book, the art being showed on products, the art being shown and things you could touch, you could feel, all of that stuff made it a little different of an experience for me. And also seeing the different artists' work represented with the different brands or projects that they had worked on um, really kind of opened my mind to different ways that art could be used. Uh, so I definitely see the value in something like a portfolio or that type of presentation, which you don't really get in many different forums. And then even the conversation you had with the um, owner of the company, you know, where she actually sat down and showed you the art and turned the pages and talked to you about each individual artist. What was that that like? That was huge because she was able to give me a backstory. She was able to tell me about timelines and how quickly people work or the types of projects that they've worked on in the past, what they prefer to work on. And she was also able to give me an inkling of other things that they've done that might not have been represented in what was right in front of me. So I think context is the word that's popping out to me as far as what value I thought that Herb as the agent or the representative of the artist brought to the situation. She was able to provide me a lot of context and even kind of put some ideas in my head about how other ways these artists could possibly be used. The concept of an artist representative is tough today. There's a generation of people that have no concept whatsoever that you exist. There was a time when you didn't have to teach someone how to be a business person because it wasn't necessary. It is so essential. It is essential now right. for so many reasons that, you know, you're, in my opinion, if I were to think of a next step, it would really be about teaching and workshops and education all the time. I mean, that's what we do with, with my company, Burt Creative, as one of the 
one of the verticals in my agency is, is to run workshops to train entrepreneurs how they can protect themselves and protect their intellectual property, whatever that looks like. Right. And many of the people that come to my workshops have never even had a conversation like this ever. They've never considered the implications of not protecting their rights with their creation. It's actually now, and I, we just had this conversation with, with an entrepreneur recently, large companies can't move like we move. So they look at us to get ideas. And you have to be careful of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, this is the other thing I think that, um, well, that is is definitely something I know that Beth and I do right now and we talked about is mentoring. Um, I love doing that. But the the one thing I was going to say quickly is that um, also the hard part of this world now where everything is more virtual and everything's online. And I love that Esther had that experience because that's that's what you're supposed to get when someone shows you the backstory. You're supposed to have feel that connection because she's going to remember that rep and she's going to remember that artist because she had a little bit more of a personal connection than just looking on the computer. But I think that for me, and I think the hardest thing that is becoming a loss is that I'm not able to see the creatives directly anymore. I always try to do portfolio shows and then they invite the creatives, which is a wonderful thing because then everyone comes for an hour at their leisure and they can look at books and whatever they want to do. But to see someone on one-on-one is becoming so difficult because I think these creatives are so busy. They're inundated, which to Mm. me is even more reason to see someone individually because, again, that's where that inspiration comes from, that whole thought process. You know, it's all it kind of stems back from taking a moment, taking a breath, and looking at the work, touching the paper. All of that is just experiencing all of it. Thank you so much, Simone, for taking the time to, to share your story with us and answer all of these questions uh, that Ginger has asked you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Shame. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thank learning. Thank you for letting me blab. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing and for your openness and sincerity. Um, and I hope that we get to work with some of your artists in the future. Yes. yes. And uh, I'm Esther. I'm Ginger. And I'm Simone. And this is the Honest Field Guide. We'll talk to you next time. The Honest Field Guide podcast is produced by Burke Creative, written and created by Ginger Birkenbuehl and Esther Coro. The podcast is recorded in the innovation and technology capital of the Midwest, Chicago, at Stomping Ground Studios in Ukrainian Village. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carroll. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only and only represent the views of Ginger Birkenbuehl and Esther Coro. E.